<laughs> you knew Jason couldn't say no. Amen. 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 Happy Mother's Day, Mother. Amen. <laughs> Amen, Pete. Amen. Amen. Uh, don't forget, uh, after service, there are going to be some uh, ushers at the door. They're going to hand out some Mother's Day gifts for every mother. So that'll, I think that's been sponsored by the WMU, WMU I believe, by the church. Okay. Okay, WMU organized it. So there'll be a gift for every mom that, uh, <clears throat> that's here this morning. So don't forget about that. So ushers, if you could make a note and just get ready as everyone leaves. So every mom can receive their gift. Amen? Amen. We're going to be in the book of 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy chapter number 1. Here just a moment. 2 Timothy chapter number 1. Yeah, I sung my voice out. We're going to buy a bus and we're going to go on tour. So, uh, yeah, we're going <laughs> to, yeah, we're going to take up a love offering after service to uh, pay for all the expenditures because we don't have any plans. We're just going to, we're going to take off next week. So, uh, <laughs> amen. Second Timothy chapter number one, a familiar uh, Mother's Day text, 2 Timothy, chapter number 1. Actually, it was, it was very fitting. Um, I don't like to be the victim sometimes of providence, um, but I'm thankful when it occurs after the fact. But the song that we sung um, about um, what I traded for a mansion, the, uh, about your mother and how uh, your mother shared the gospel with her, with her children, and now they can meet together because the gospel, the Lord Jesus Christ, saves. And the mother knew that, and, uh, and the mother wanted her child to be with her in heaven. Because that's the only way to heaven, is through the Lord Jesus Christ. There is not another way. He is the only way. And I don't know about you parents, but I want my kids to be with me eternally. I want to have an eternal relationship with them in heaven. And above anything else in life, that's the goal. I mean, I, I would rather them be poor on earth, but be in heaven and know Jesus. I, I would rather them even almost starve through life, just barely get by, but to know Jesus Christ as their Savior. That, that's more, it's more, let me speak plain. It's more important than anything, than anything else, anything, to know Jesus Christ as their Savior. Any other goal is way low on the list of priorities, that your children, they should know the gospel of Jesus Christ. Um, before I read this text, I, I, want to, uh, I want to share some scripture with you. I guess I'm going to preach on the role of mothers in building a Christian home or heritage or tradition. I, I normally don't title messages because sometimes a, a sermon takes a personality of its own, and then afterwards we can title it. You know, then we know what God, how God spoke to us today, and then it's clear. But I want to 
drive the point home. I, I want us to have a culture at our church, a biblical culture. Because if we're going to be, if we're going to be different from the culture of the world, and we should be, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world, don't love the world. If we're to be a, a culture that is distinctly Christianly different than the world that surrounds us, if we're going to be, as Peter described, a peculiar people, a, a royal priesthood, even the name church, ecclesia, it's a Greek word, it means to be called out. What are we, we called out of what? Called out of the world. Remember, Jesus didn't come to save, he didn't come to save us out of the world, he came to save us from the world, he left us in the world. So if we're going to have a culture that's distinctly different from the world, then we need to have a counterculture. We can't just say we're different. We have to have a definite description of what that looks like. And God wants us to have a biblical culture. So we can't just bark and fuss and say, don't be like the world without ever saying this is what we should be like. Because that doesn't really really project a biblical message. That's just fussing, isn't it? Just fussing and gropping and barking. But if if a preacher or a church says, don't be like the world, then it ought to be able to, he ought to be able to articulate. The church ought to have a message that this is what this is supposed to look like compared to that. And so God wants us as now I'm preaching today to Christian people. Now, if you're lost this morning, that means you're unsaved, you've never been born again, you're listening in on what God is saying to His people. This isn't an evangelistic service. I'm a pastor of a New Testament church. I am pastoring God's flock today through His Word. God wants His people to build biblical families. God wants His people to build biblical marriages. And he wants them to build it in a way that passes on a a Christian lineage or heritage or tradition. I know we're afraid of tradition because we sin by our traditions. But only if that tradition is a sin against Christianity do we sin by our traditions. The goal of your home as a child of God is to build a Christian tradition that it is common knowledge within the home that the worldview is Christian that the that the the fear is a fear of not of man but of God that Jesus is the answer and scripture is the way and that should be that should be taken for granted as a as a as a fact that the 9-year-old completely understands the context of what drives this home. So in the book of 1 Corinthians, and you don't have to turn. Well, actually, if, if you do turn, mark it. If you don't, write it down. Because I want, I want you to have a biblical worldview on what God has to say before we even get started about marriage and building a home. What God wants for His people. In 1 Corinthians chapter number 7, verse 1, Paul the Apostle says, Now concerning the things whereof you wrote unto me, it is good for a man not to touch a woman. Nevertheless, to avoid fornication, let every man have his own wife, and let every woman have her own husband. So the Bible is clear 
But the Bible, God's Word, wants every man to have his own wife and wants every woman to have her own husband. And God speaks to the ladies in 1 Timothy. 1 Timothy chapter number 5. The Word of God says, verse 14, 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 14, I will therefore that the younger women marry and bear children... Guide the house, give none occasion to the adversary to speak reproachfully. Obviously, there are some exceptions in our heart. We keep in mind those who struggle with children, to have children. But the general goal is that God's design is that young men and young women marry and they have children and build a family. God wants you young people, to get married and build a family. That's God's design for you. In the book of, now who do you marry? The book of 2 Corinthians, so that should be the question next, who do I marry? Okay, God wants me to get married. Now you say, why why are you doing this? Because the counter to this is don't get married. That's not the goal. The counter to this is focus on your career, not your family. That's The counter of this biblical worldview is is celebrate self, your self-interest, your career path, your goal. That is for you. Listen carefully. The goal of a career is to support the family. If you make more money in your career, then that is to help the family advance economically. The goal of everything you do as an adult should be family-centered. It's not just to make a bunch of money. It's not for self-glory. It's not for self, to self-celebrate. It is fathers to support the family. It's to raise children, to build a home. Amen? So if I was giving young people advice, I would say, marry the right person, have kids, build a family. Go that direction. That's the direction God wants people to go. 2 Corinthians chapter number 6 It almost feels like even in my heart to speak this way, like someone, the world, is upset with this even conversation I'm having with you. That there is a a spirit that is counter to biblical truth. I would that men have their wife and wife have her man and they bear children and raise a family. 2 Corinthians chapter number 6, who should we marry? Verse 14, be not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. What does that mean? It means that it's, it, unequally yoked is, is that someone's not pulling their weight. And God wants Christian people, God wants couples to be married and they, He wants them to be Christian. That you should not date someone that's, an un, that's not a Christian. You should not date someone that you could not possibly marry. You should not date or marry someone that is an unbeliever as a Christian. And this is where mom and dad, you have to step in. You have to teach that diligently, Deuteronomy chapter 6, and to your children. You have to teach that over and over and over and over again. You cannot be in a right relationship with God if you own purpose marry an unbeliever. God wants you, children of God, to get married and marry someone that you're equally yoked with. That you're not pulling all the load as a Christian. 
Because if you're married to someone that's not a Christian, you're going that way and that person's going that way. It's unequally yoked. They're both not carrying the same amount of weight. You're trying to please the Lord and the unchristian spouse is trying to please something else. Don't do that. And so the culture is to be countered. So moms and dads, we have to constantly, diligently teach this to our children. Be not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? And what communion hath light with darkness? Oftentimes you hear the goal, back to 2 Timothy chapter 1, the goal of life is this, is get out of high school, get an education, and focus on your career. Now all the education and the, and the goal and the job is, should be what? Should be to build, to facilitate, and provide for a family. That's God's plan. I often say this to my, I say this often, if you ask a farmer in the, the goal even, even isn't always this, do something you enjoy. The goal is family-centered, family-centered, family-centered. often ask if I could imagine myself going back to a blacksmith in 1762 and say, do you like your job? Do you find fulfillment from it? And he's like, what? Do you like it? And he's, he would say to me, I'm doing this for my family. You ask a farmer in the 1880s, you really like this? You enjoy it? I mean, I'm doing this for my family. I love coming home to my family. I love supporting my family. Family. Family is the place where the gospel can be shared best. Family is the place where lives are changed. Family is the place where lives are built. Family is the place where rules are learned and boundaries are set and a culture is established. Family is a place where God is taught to be loved and revered and respected. Family is the place where Jesus is to be exemplified and lived out. And I want to encourage you as families, don't, you need to remove the disconnect from biblical teaching in your real life. This is what God wants for your life. And so many Christians say, well, that's in the Bible. You are to be living epistles. That's supposed to be in you. Sever the disconnect where the Word of God is saying, you need to do this, go this direction. And oftentimes we completely ignore it and we say, well, that's in the Bible as if somehow that's not applicable to you as a child of God. Sever the disconnect and live according, by God's grace, live according to Scripture. Live it out and watch God bless you tremendously on this earth. Live it out. God wants families. And God wants the family to be built upon biblical principles. Not to keep you away from things, but to give you good things on earth. And to fill your home and heart and life with peace. And no drama or less of it. A support system of love and respect built upon the teachings of Christ and the fellowship with God. That is what God wants for your family. And that's what God wants for your children. That's what He wants. That's what children need. Amen? In the book of 2 Timothy, excuse me, there is, there's a little example here about two ladies that took the Word of God and the teachings of Christ 
And I would say that life is a struggle, and I don't think it's a stretch for me to say that these ladies struggled and often were discouraged, and they were frustrated. They had innumerable challenges that life would throw their way. But these two ladies were dedicated to the gospel of Jesus Christ and building a family according to the teachings of the Word of God. In 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 5, Paul says, he's writing to Timothy, he says, When I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in thee, which dwelt first in thy grandmother Lois. So Timothy had a grandmother named Lois who became a Christian. And thy mother Eunice. Timothy had a mother. Her name was Eunice. And Eunice was a Christian. Paul said, and I am persuaded that in thee also. So Timothy became a Christian through the influence and the upbringing and the dedicated mothering and parenting from Eunice the grandmother to Lois the mother and into Timothy. If you turn the page to the third chapter of this epistle, 2 Timothy chapter number 3, Paul says this in verse 14. He makes reference to his upbringing. And he says, And that from a child thou hast known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. So what was Lois and Eunice doing while they were teaching Timothy how to brush his teeth and teaching Timothy how to comb his hair and teaching Timothy how to, how to date a girl? You need to teach children that, Amen. Teaching Timothy how to spell cat. On top of all of that, they were teaching Timothy the gospel of Jesus Christ. Above all the life lessons that were going on in Timothy's life about how to live in this world, Eunice and Lois were also concerned about Timothy's eternity. They knew he had to get by through this life, but they also understood that Timothy was and is an eternal creature that he's going to live forever and ever one day. And so Eunice and Lois were their, their dedicated mindset and knowledge because they didn't disconnect Scripture from the reality of Timothy's life, that they knew that Timothy needed Jesus. And Timothy was influenced greatly from his mom and his grandmother. So what can we deduct from that is this, is that family has a tremendous influence on children, don't they? Family has a tremendous impact on a child. Family has an eternal impact on a child. And so Eunice and Lois made an eternal impact on the life of Timothy. Now, if you're, if you're a student of the Scriptures, and I pray that you are, you are familiar with the fact that Paul led Timothy to Jesus. Paul, Timothy was Paul's convert. So some would say, well, then it wasn't Eunice that converted Timothy. It wasn't, it wasn't Lois that converted Timothy. And let's get our doctrine right. It is Jesus who converted Timothy. Amen. But some would say, well, Paul was the father of faith for Timothy. Well, I can say the same thing. Listen, my mother influenced me with the gospel of Jesus Christ. I could say technically, Bunny Hurst led me to Jesus. But it was my mother 
My mother that made sure that I was in a place where not only did she teach me about God, where a man of God who studied the Scriptures and was dedicated to the Gospel of Jesus Christ, he, she brought me to a place where this Gospel can make an eternal difference on my life. And I thank God for that. Amen? So some would say, well... It wasn't actually Sherry Green that led you to Jesus. It was Bunny Hurst that led you to Jesus. I could refute that and say this. It was my mother who created an atmosphere where I can hear about the gospel of Jesus Christ. And she didn't hinder that. She didn't try to stop that. She didn't, she didn't discredit that. She promoted it. She brought me here, drug me here, made me come all the time. And then one day I heard the gospel that saved my eternal soul. Amen. You know the old joke, some of you are like this, I had a drug problem growing up, I was drugged to Sunday school, I was drugged to morning worship service, I was drugged to Sunday night service, drugged to Wednesday night service, I was drugged around everywhere. Eunice and Lois drugged Timothy to the foot of the cross, the shadow of the cross, praying that there would be one day when he looked unto Jesus and was saved. So moms, you bring them crying babies. Amen? You bring them little pew kickers. You bring them. You bring the ones that are so hard to direct. And so don't, care, don't worry if people that don't understand look back at you and say, why don't they control that kid? I'm sure you'd like to say, you try it. You try it. You'd be like Eunice and Lois. Lois is an interesting figure. Lois is the grandmother of Timothy. Lois is, was a, a, the Jewish faith. You know, somebody has to be a trailblazer in the family. If we're going to build a Christian heritage, somebody has to break the mold. And Lois was steeped in Jewish tradition. Lois, I'm sure, was blackballed by some members of her Jewish family. Lois endured shame and reproach. It wasn't very popular to become a Christian in those days. It was rather dangerous to become a Christian in those days. Her faith was so radically daring that she said yes and surrendered to Jesus Christ surrounded by a culture who despised and rejected and crucified Jesus Christ just a, just a few decades before. Lois had the radical, courageous faith to follow Jesus against a current that was swiftly heading the other direction. That's a mom, isn't it? She said, I don't care what they're doing. This is the right way. She's like Jochebed. I don't care that Pharaoh said, i got to kill my baby. She's like... She's like Ruth, the Moabitess woman who left literally a fish god in Moab and followed Naomi to, the, to, the, to her people and said, where you lodge, I will lodge. Where you go, I will go. Your people shall be my people and your God shall be my God. If you don't have a Christian heritage in your family, don't be discouraged, don't be bitter. Be the trailblazer today. Be the Lois, the Jochebed, the Ruth, the Esther. Be the one who'll say, you know what? 
this is the truth, this is the way, and for the sake of my children and my future family, I am going to follow Jesus even though the world radically rejects Him, I'm going to radically embrace Him. You think what you will. Amen. Lois, the trailblazing grandmother. You know, I can look back at my family and I don't know, I know that my grandmother, Naomi, had a mother named Mama. Everybody called her Mama. Of course she was named Mama. But the whole family called her Mama. I don't really know past that, but I know somewhere in my family there was somebody who said yes to Jesus Christ. Somebody said no to the world and they said yes to Jesus Christ. Somebody said no to prostitution, no to lust, no to pornography, no to an addictive world, no to godless friends, no, no, and said yes to Jesus. And Jesus in her, mama, is so influential. Remember, Jesus is not without consequence. He is so powerful that He changes your life, but is so bright that His light shines out of the person whose life is changed by Him and dwelling in them. And so Jesus inside of Mama, my great-grandmother, shines so bright, and she was one of them Christians where, ain't this right, you couldn't even bring a deck of cards in her house. Right? No playing cards in the house. If you had a pool table in her house, you might as well have carved you out a, 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 a fake God out of wood and worshipped it in her eyes. She was one of them Christians who understood that, yes, a pack of cards in itself isn't evil and wicked, but she was one of those wise ladies who understood there's a direction where that can take you, and I just don't want you messing with it. You know, she was one of the people that understood, I know you don't think this road in itself is dangerous. In itself, it's not. But there's a cliff 500 yards down the road. I just don't want you playing on that trail. That Jesus is so influential in the life of Lois that the light from her, Christ in her, shined in her daughter Eunice. You see what's happening? Somebody has to be the trailblazer. My family, somewhere down the line, thank God, had a trailblazer that said yes to Jesus Christ that produced a tradition in my home that we're going to church, we're not doing certain things, we're not going to act a certain way. I'm not talking about salvation by works, but what that did in my life, it produced a worldview that made me conscious of morality and absolute truth, and that absolute truth made me mindful that there must be a lawgiver, and I realized I've broken His eternal law, and I am damned and doomed to a devil's eternal hell because the wages of sin is death and I learned I sinned against God and you say what created all that it was a culture in the home that was the worldview of the family that shined light into this dark sinful soul somebody has to be a trailblazer Secondly, let's look at Eunice. We're about through. Eunice is the daughter of Lois. Now, Eunice has also particular challenges. Lois is the trailblazer. 
She's the one first in thy grandmother Lois. Notice the text. She was a Jew. She was born again from the Jewish tradition because Judaism can't save. And only Jesus saved. So she believed and accepted Christ. Now Eunice, her daughter, also had a set of challenges. You don't have to turn there unless you want. Acts chapter 16, verse number 1, there's a description of Timothy. And the Bible says, Then came he to Derby, Paul, and Lystra. And behold, a certain disciple was there named Timotheus, the son of a certain woman. Who's that woman? That's Eunice. The son of a certain woman. We know her as Eunice, thanks to 2 Timothy chapter 1, which was a Jewish and believed. She was a Jew that converted to Christianity, but his father was a Greek. Timothy's father, there's no record of his faith. There's no record of a confession of faith. The likelihood is, is that Timothy's father, he's not listed in Eunice and the list of Eunice and Lois, Lois and Eunice, is that Timothy is the offspring of a mixed spiritual marriage. Now that's not the ideal, and that's not the biblical pattern, but thank God for grace, amen? I and my brother are here today, we are the offspring of a mixed, unequally yoked marriage. My father, I'm not even sure, listen, I'm not even sure right now if my dad is in heaven, I don't know that. I think, I lean towards, my father is in hell right now. See, this is serious stuff. This is, a, this is an eternal subject. This isn't a, we're not playing patty cakes. This is an entertainment. This is real. Most Christians become Christians before they turn the age of 21. So we just got a little bit of time. Just a little bit of time. My mother, just like Eunice, her husband, unbeliever. Eunice has to navigate as a mom through all these challenges. Here's, here's the application, and here's the proof of it. If you're unequally yoked and your husband as a mom could care less about Jesus, you keep going. <laughs> Lois started it. Eunice kept going. Keep going for Jesus' sake. Mother, young mother, never stop following Jesus even if your husband doesn't. You follow Jesus. I'm only saved right now, I believe, because my mother, thank God, she kept it going. Kept it going. So you're discouraged. You keep on trucking for Jesus. You don't ever quit. Because greater is He that's in you than He that's in the world. And the light from you, mother, can infect the life of your children. Don't get discouraged because He sits on the couch. Lois went alone. Eunice went when her husband sat in the recliner. 
love Him, serve Him, respect Him, but leave Him there if He don't go with you. You leave Him there. And you drag Him. <laughs> and you drug Him. <laughs> and you get Him to Jesus. Because if you don't, they might not ever know Him. And if they don't ever know Him, They'll have a child one day and they'll say, maybe publicly, I don't even know if he's in heaven or if he's in hell. I don't even know. Lois had to leave a Jewish religion. Eunice had to leave her husband on a sofa to teach her son Timothy about Jesus. This little nugget is in Scripture. It's Sever the disconnect, right? Here, here's connected to your life. God is saying, build you a Christian heritage, even against all challenges, because it is the model, and it works. Now I confess Jesus as Lord, because my mother confessed Jesus as Lord, and her mother confessed Jesus as Lord, and her husband confessed Jesus as Lord, but my other side didn't. But Jesus is greater in them than the influence of the other side because mother rolled her eyes when daddy said something he shouldn't have and didn't celebrate sin but celebrated Jesus in the home. Jesus is more powerful from a mother than almost any other worldly influence. My grandfather confesses Him as Lord. My grandmother confesses Him as Lord. My brother confesses Him as Lord. I confess Him as Lord. I wasn't going to date someone that didn't confess Him as Lord. And my wife confesses Him as Lord. And then just a couple years ago, my son confessed Him as Lord. Why? Because some parent named Lois said, you know what? I'm going to follow Jesus what would that look like in real life? Hey, I can't date you anymore. You're not, an un- you're not a believer. I've got to be with somebody that's a Christian. And you cuss in front of my kids, and I don't like that. I don't want you doing that for the next 35 years. So I'm going to, since we're not married, I'm not going to date you anymore, even though I love you so much and it hurts to do it. I'm going to follow Jesus. I'm going to sever the disconnect between biblical teaching that keeps it out of my life. I want it to connect with me. And I'm going to follow Jesus as Lord, even if the short term it's hard. But we're not talking about the short term. The Bible's not talking about the short term. The Bible's talking about the long term. Yeah, you can live for today. Spend your life with righteous living. It'll be cool for a while. I'm about through. But one of these days, you'll be in the hog pen wishing you could eat the husk from the hogs. And what's even worse than that, especially if you've got kids, they're in the hog pen too. And they wish they could eat the husk from the hogs. Don't you remember there's a father who has a house 
Don't you remember there's somebody who loves you deeply? Don't you know there's a Lord who wants to change all this? It might hurt a little bit at first to walk through the narrow gate to lay aside things that you care about so deeply. But don't be like the rich young ruler and love your possessions, whatever you love, and go away sorrowful and reject eternal life through Jesus Christ your Lord because this day might be a hard requirement. Build a Christian heritage. Be a trailblazer. And your children will be better than you. I want my kids to know more about Jesus than me. They'll be better than you. And ain't that the goal of parenting? I want my kids to have it better than me. If I can teach my kids about the doctrine of atonement, maybe they can carry it a little further than I did. If I can describe what propitiation means to my little daughter, can you say a word like that? I want to teach you about it. Maybe she'll take it further than I could. If I can teach my little daughter diligently, faithfully, I know it won't be perfect. But if I could exemplify biblical teaching and then I can talk about it and make it make sense in the life of her parents, maybe I can keep my little daughter away from a godless, lazy, drunken, worldly teenager who needs to be saved. And I can tell her that you can't save no one, only Jesus can. You better leave that to the Lord. But God wants you to be with an innocent, so-called, there is none to do with good, but with a, a young man who loves Jesus that in high school looks weird because he loves Jesus surrounded by people who don't. He looks weird in high school. Yeah. Yeah, but when he's 28, all them other girls will be wishing she was with him because he's following Jesus and comes home to his home, to his family, and talks about Jesus in that home. There's something about it, amen. This is the counterculture to a world that's losing its minds. This is it. This is the way. Let's stand to our feet. What song will we sing, Bryson? Good choice. I hope and pray that you have. I have decided to follow Jesus. Hey, God's got a unique purpose for everyone's life. And hey, I know Mother's Day can be a challenge. Some of your mothers are in glory right now. But if that's the case, then rejoice, amen, that they're in glory. And if you know Jesus, that's where you're going. Celebrate, amen. Maybe there's some ladies here. And listen, I... I've been pastoring long enough now. I've, I've, I've had all types of different conversations. I've talked to ladies who desperately want to have a child but are unable to. And God has a unique plan and a purpose for that. And there's unique ways that maybe that can be dealt with. I know there's some mothers here, some that we know of, that the worst thing that could ever happen, happened. And they had to outlive their child. How unbearable that must be. And this day hurts. And this day's challenging for some. But couldn't you also agree that what might bring your heart discouragement because of what it isn't, or what the circumstances didn't become what you wanted them to be? 
that the desire for what it should be proves the righteousness in it. That we can still celebrate in the midst of maybe personal pain, hardship, that you would want, even as a lady, you would want that 17-year-old girl to head this direction. You would want her to seek godly things. You'd want her to follow Jesus. I know, too, there's a lot of moms, like any parent, who has regret. I'm glad where sin doth abound, grace doth that much more abound. Amen? If you're a parent with regret, that's impossible to not be one, isn't there? I'm glad that you can come to Jesus. He can make a difference. Amen? Apply the Bible to your life and follow Jesus. Let's sing together. If there's a need, you come and pray.